Hello, and welcome to Cafe with Strangers. I have a stranger here who isn't that much of a stranger because we've been trying to do this for, I don't know, how many months now? A long time. It's been a few months since March. Yeah. Since March. I think since you posted the, the TikTok. Yeah, we've been trying <laughs> to get this. I've canceled several times, and we're finally here. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Oh, hi. By the way, I'm Monica. <laughs> it's me. We have Starbucks today. We both got chai drinks, except for I have the pumpkin foam on it. Have you ever had the pumpkin foam on there? I have not. Ooh, beautiful. Anyways, that's a lot of information in 30 seconds. I'm going to let you start, <laughs> introduce yourself, and we'll just kind of go from there. All right. Well, very basic information. My name is um, Alexis. I go by Alex, but I also go by Alexis. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Whatever people are comfortable with. Um, I do go by he, him, they, them pronouns. I do identify as non-binary. And... That's it. Basic information. I mean, I'm 26. <laughs> live here in Seattle. Well, rent an area to be yeah. more precise. But yeah, that's it. <laughs> awesome. That's very basic. But you gave a lot of good information. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, actually, let's just kind of like jump right into the whole non-binary thing. I used to kind of have like a bit of a structure, but then mm. I kind of like, you know what, let's just go where the conversation flows. Um, you are the first person that I've interviewed that identifies as non-binary and on the questionnaire thing you put you recently started identifying as non-binary correct how was that journey for you uh it was very interesting because um i grew up i wouldn't say a machista household but there was a lot of uh, ideals of like what it means to be a man or what men do and what women do um you know those societal norms very structured um and i also grew up um pentecostal christian so oh. yes so you are taught in a way what men do and what men don't like i remember since i was a little kid they were like oh the husband of the house is the head of the house and everybody else falls under them and the women is like the the helping hand of the men what makes great men, uh, men great is like the helping hand but you know still like a little under him yeah women. um so you get taught all of that stuff um certainly growing up i did like identified as a man um, but more in like the past, I want to say maybe a year, year and a half, that's when I realized that like, oh, yeah, we're all just human. <laughs> yeah. And, um, not to knock on the person that I was previously dating, but she did have very machista ideas. Mm -hmm. And when I started expressing myself more and more, there was things that she was uncomfortable with. And it was a whole conversation that we had have, like, for example, um, she hated the fact that I painted my nails and I love painting my nails, like different colors, black, yeah. any. Um, I grew up in the rock scene, so very obvious. I would paint my nails all the time. And, and when I started bringing that back, um, she was uncomfortable with it. And it was a whole conversation uh, that took place between us. And eventually she came around it, but she's just like, I don't like it. And then, like, for example, uh, me getting a nose, my nose pierced. Yeah. I have a septum piercing. Yeah. Obviously, you can't see it with the audio, <laughs> but... Um, it's nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have a septum, and like that was also very difficult for her. Really? Uh, yeah, because she was like, "Oh, men are not supposed to do that." Like, and it's like, even though we're both Mexican, right? She, but she's from like north part of Mexico, where I guess like machismo is more like prominent. Dominant, prominent, okay. I guess. Yeah, and I'm from Mexico City, which yeah. is a huge city, and it's always been more open-minded and liberal. But even then, like again, my parents Pentecostal Christian, like that's not. I, it's a little regressive for a big city, but you know, um, yeah. So that's basically 
when I started realizing that like there's stuff that I like that doesn't fit into the societal norms of men, but I but I liked it, you know. Yeah. So I was like, I'm a human, like why do I have to like identify as a certain gender yeah. to be able to like those? And so my idea moving forward um, is basically like um, we're all humans. It shouldn't um, our sex shouldn't have to like matter. So that's why I identify as non-binary. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't fit the norms of society. I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah. It's so not only the first person that is non-binary that identifies as non-binary, but um, AMAB assigned male at birth. Mm-hmm. That is. Machismo. Where do I? Let me start backwards. Let me start backwards. Let me start. <laughs> no. I, oh my I god. Words. I, I feel it. I feel like <laughs> it's a little harder to find males that identify as non-binary. Yeah. It is for sure. Can be very hard at first because, like you know, the moment you stop identifying as a man, people start being like, "Oh, you're gay," or "Oh, you're not." really a man which mm. it does take a, a a toll on your mental health i'm not gonna lie like at first yeah. it was super hard for me like the fact that like again sometimes even my uh, partner at the time like my, my girlfriend um she wouldn't see me as fully a man so that would kind of like hurt me yeah and also like made me sad at times because i was like man but i know like I know I'm a man but then at the same time i'm not a man and and it, it was just weird for sure the way that i because I'm, I've been roughly just blah, 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 blah. Wow. Words are really hard. <laughs> um, I've recently been identifying for about as long as you have, if not maybe a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And I've also gone through like struggles like that where I like to say I was raised as a woman. So like there's that part that's always that's that part is never going to go away right. because you were always raised that way. Mm-hmm. But then once you start realizing like this is i was raised this way but i realize now that there's an there's another option there's always been another option but mm-hmm. i just wasn't aware that i can be not a man not a woman and just myself but i just happen to be raised as this type of gender yeah does that make sense no it totally makes sense because okay. like i explained it to my grandma and of all people in my family the one that got it was my grandma really yeah how was that it was interesting because uh so my grandma um so okay to understand my family. My mom's side of the family is very like Spaniard, white. Um, if you meet my mom's side of the family, mm-hmm. like blonde hair, blue eyes, people like, okay, but we're Mexican, you know? Yeah. Um, and then my dad's side of the family, there's um, mostly native. Yeah. Especially with my grandma's side. Somewhere along the lines there, there was Japanese. <laughs> Somebody who was like a quarter Japanese. Cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't remember exactly who. My grandma told me this years ago. But um. But my grandma's side of the family, uh, on my dad's side, it's mainly more uh, native. Yeah. And when I started talking to my grandma about this, she was like, yeah, that's normal. That's fine. Like, that's literally been in our culture forever. And I was like, what do you mean <laughs> this has been in our culture forever? She's like, yeah, yeah. We're like native Mexicans like that. You're taught that there's people like that. And I was just yeah. like, whoa, why, why didn't anybody ever tell me this? And then it's like, again, I guess it goes back to like my parents being like um, Pentecostal Christian, which yeah. is not even... The religion of the land of Mexico, I know. You know the colonizers broadly you know but uh and so again like my parents were like super horrible like i remember one time when i was a little kid i was doing dishes right yeah with my auntie uh because my auntie's about my same age well you know as mexican yeah yeah <laughs> we're having a tío or tía the same age yeah. um 
But um, I was doing dishes with my auntie, and my dad got super mad. Like he was like, "Yo, guys are not supposed to be doing dishes." And I was like, "What?" And I was so confused. But yeah, that was like a core memory of like what it meant to be a man supposedly. Yeah. And then eventually, like again, there was like core memories of like men do this, men do that, and it was so hard to like get rid of that. Yeah. Deconstructed, like it was so hard. But again, my grandma was like, "Nah, it's normal." <laughs> That's so, I'm I'm like, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised because as I've kind of learned a little bit more, there's a lot of more indigenous um, culture, the indigenous culture, they're a lot more open to it because mm-hmm. like you said, it's always been part of the culture. Yeah. It's colonization. That it is. <laughs> did the thing. <laughs> um, but I do want to go a little bit and talk about the struggles that you had to deal with because of like the machismo like lifestyle environment that you had and like I have my own struggles of like I'm supposed to be like this and that because I was raised a woman so I'm trying to imagine how like the difficulties that you went through and like you're non-binary but you're being raised as a man so you have all these difficulties of or not difficulties necessarily but like um expectations and the difficulties that come with it Mm -hmm. from being in that position so basically what I'm trying to say is like how is that like if you if we can go a little bit more into detail about the confusion that you went through like other core memories examples that you can think of my words are all over the place No no, no I get okay. it Okay <laughs> No so it's like it's the same as any other uh, male you know like you get you get your you grow up you grow up and they t- teach you to like not be super emotional not be you know the stereotypical things they teach yeah. men like you got to be strong you got to provide you got to um be there like you know when you're when you're going through something emotional like hide it cover it up mm-hmm. like you can't you can't show that because then yeah. you're weak and if you're weak then like nobody can rely on you and you know all that stuff and while yes I could have like gotten past that as a male I realized that like um I don't need to be a male <laughs> to like be emotional I don't need to be or identify as a woman to be emotional like I can just simply be a human because that's a human thing to do (laughs) yeah yeah like that's what I was confused like whenever I would talk to people it's like or when I would whenever I would talk to my therapist my therapist would be like well you can still be a guy and like and do all those things but I was like but I'm a human like in my head has always been like I'm a human for uh first and foremost yeah I'm just a human that happens to have xy chromosomes yeah that's it that my reproductive organ doesn't dictate what uh what I can like in society that that was my whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm clapping very lightly. Not to be very loud, but yay. Okay. <laughs> um, anything else that you want to add about like I guess your um your journey into discovering that you are nine binary? Yeah. Um, so I happen to be I well, I happen to identify as pansexual, right? Mm-hmm. I just to have a more inclusive term. Before I was bisexual, now I'm more pan. Yeah, I was like, yeah. your thing said bi slash pan. I yeah. was going to be like, yeah, explain to yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I mean, I mean, for people that are in the community, like LGBTQ uh, plus community, um, we know what pansexual means, or mm-hmm. the majority of us at least mm-hmm. uh, have an idea of what pansexual means. Yeah. It's a more inclusive term, uh, inclusive of non-binary people, transgender people, um, gay, straight, you know. Uh, and bi usually falls to the idea that there's only two genders, uh, you know, male and female. So while, yes, you could be bi and bi erasure is a real thing. So I don't want to erase my 
by brothers and sisters. Um, while yes, you can be bi, there's also like pansexual, but you're open more to having a partner that identifies as non-binary or trans. Yeah. The way that I like to tell people, because I also identify as pansexual, mm-hmm. I say is like, I don't give a damn what you got. If I like you, I like you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> normally, normally what I say is like, I don't care what's down there. If I have a vibe with you, then yeah, vibe. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I had something else that I wanted to go off that, but I cannot, I cannot process what that was. Also, I've been struggling really hard with my ADHD medication. Like it's not doing its job. Yeah. And so it's like, I have to like snap back. I'm like, oh, your brain's doing the thing. Focus back on the person that's talking right in front of you. It's okay. No, <laughs> my, uh, my previous partner was the same way. All right. <laughs> so, so nothing new here. Yeah, no, you're, you're um, good. All right. I want to go a little bit into the, um, backtrack a little bit into the religious part um the (laughs) yes so um i was looking at a little bit so i like to add a little like mexico fun facts or Mm -hmm. like just fun facts and stuff like that and when i was looking at ciudad de mexico i saw that there was um a variety of religious groups there not just Mm -hmm. catholic and so i was like oh that's interesting there's more and then boom you go in and say that i'm like oh okay yeah interesting so everyone that i've talked to pretty much has grown up catholic how was I growing up not Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like you were saying, Mexico City or City of Mexico is now known. Um, uh, it's huge. <laughs> There's over 21 million people. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the biggest cities in the Western world. Um, yeah. It's just as big as Mumbai, Mumbai in India. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah, it's huge. It's it's a huge city. People don't realize uh, it's actually one of the oldest cities in the Americas. Yes, yeah. it is one of the oldest continuously inhabited urban settlements in the Western Hemisphere. Boom, yes. boom. Since, Fun fact. Since before the Aztecs, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, and it's huge. I mean, like uh, over 21 million people, like, yeah. Uh, while the rest of the country is Catholic, I believe it was like 80-some percent of the country is Catholic. Yeah, Mexico City, yes, there's a lot of Catholicism. We have like La Capilla de la Virgen and everything. Yeah. But there are other religions uh, and the most prominent one being uh, Pentecostal Christian, uh, also known as Protestants. Um, so that's where I grew up. I grew up Pentecostal Protestant. Yeah. Um, it's very similar to Christianity, which is, uh, or to Catholicism, sorry. Uh, it is Christianity. At the end of the day, both of them are Christian. They yeah. both uh, believe the core idea that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Um, the big differences are they're like, um, we don't have... Uh, um a pope per se we don't have a head of a church Mm -hmm. that like tells everybody else what to do we have pastors right so we're all congregations of of individual people what we believe is that you have a direct line to god Mm -hmm. to jesus um or you have a direct line to the father um through jesus because once you accept jesus as your lord and savior jesus is in your jesus is your intercessor and Mm -hmm. and jesus left uh, the Holy Spirit here on earth to guide us. So again, the tr- Holy Trinity, they're yeah. all the same God. Um, that's all we believe in. G- uh, Godfather, which is Yahweh, um, Jesus, which is the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those are the only three things we believe in. We believe that the Holy Spirit still moves in this earth, does miracles, understands people. Yeah. Um, that being said, 
Christianity, especially among Protestants, there's like people break apart all the time. Yeah. Because like a new idea arises, they're like, oh, I think this uh, this is better. This is that. But the actual like core Pentecostal belief was just that. They're like, come as you are. It doesn't matter. We don't judge you. Like everybody fails. Every we know that everybody's failing. That's why Jesus literally died in the cross for you, because mm-hmm. like he knew you were gonna sin. Like he knew you're human. He knew you're not perfect. Yeah. It's fine. Like yeah. And he even after you accepted him, he knew that you were still gonna sin. Like that's the human thing to do, right? Um, very simple, but obviously, like we make it not to be as humans. Like, yeah. We want to be holy. We want to be perfect, and this and that. Yeah. So. Um, I grew up in that. Like, I grew up in, like, a hardcore, like, Pentecostal. And while my parents weren't the one that pushed it on me, me going to church constantly and hanging out with, like, church people and, and like, growing up, like, a Christian kid. Yeah. Uh, my mom becoming a pastor. Uh, yeah, so she has her, like, uh, theology degree. So, like, basically, she, she's, uh, she studied Christianity. Wow. Um, she has her degree in theology. And so, I mean... I became a pastor kid. You yeah. Know? I mean, there's so many like stereotypes and things about pastor kids. Um, so yeah, like it was very like strict yeah. <laughs> and and all these ideas that were hard to deconstruct now as an adult. Um, I don't identify with that religion anymore. I don't really go to church. I still believe that there's God, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I still believe in a God because uh, at the end of the day, that gives me security. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah. I kind of want to, as you're saying all this, my brain is thinking, how was that growing up being like Mexican American and having this religion that isn't the majority? Like, was that difficult? Yes. Okay. Because I'm imagining how, I don't know. I'm just imagining the difficulties. Yeah. Well, just till this day, when I introduce myself to people and I say I'm Mexican, they immediately think Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, you celebrate all these Catholic things and you must be Catholic. And I'm like, no. <laughs> they're like, what? They get so surprised. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not Catholic at all. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a little surprised, but that's just, again, I'm so used to that being the right. dominant religion mm-hmm. that I, I'm, I am, but I'm not. Because I've met other people that are... Um, most, I mean, if Mormon, they would that would be the other religion. If I would meet like a, a Mexican that wasn't Catholic, they were Mormon. But again, that's just kind of like Still my background. My yeah, yeah, you know, it's just like the background that I had. So, anyways, I'll let you go tell your story. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but no, it's the same, the same thing. Like again, people automatically assume that I'm Catholic. But yeah, when I'm not. Um, there's uh, like the whole believing in the Virgin. Yeah, that was hard. <laughs> that, yeah, that was a hard thing for me because, like, you know, everybody's like believes in the Virgin and this and that, and I never did. I never grew up with like the Virgin this, the Virgin that, and so like whenever like people would make a big deal out of her, not to be rude or disrespectful, I just did not care for it at all. Like, yeah, and people would look at me weird, and like again they would look at me like i was disrespecting them i was like i'm just i'm really not i just did not grow up with this yeah like, i don't know what's going on did that ever make you i guess just the way that you grew up did, including the religion part did that ever did you ever question your identity in that sense yes it made me feel less mexican and i mean you're looking at me right now people can't look at me um i look very um not mexican let's say um my skin is more pale yellowish um i do look asian so if you you were to see me in the streets, I look Asian American, mm-hmm. right? So people don't assume that I'm Mexican. 
and then you take away the religion, then people would be like, you're really not Mexican. <laughs> so like, uh, it was a constant struggle growing up of like, uh, you're not Mexican enough, you're not Mexican. And it wasn't even because like, I didn't speak Spanish or anything. It was because I didn't look Mexican and I didn't have the religion, all these factors. And I was just like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if I can cuss. Curse away. <laughs> uh, it was hard for me like to identify it as, I truly, like, I would cry sometimes. I would go home and be like, well, why am I not Mexican enough? Or why am I not Latino enough? Or yeah. why do I not get accepted? So even even that affected how I grew up. Like, most of my friends happen to be white Americans, you know? Um, uh, some Asian. Um, and my best friend, who happens to be African-American, like, my Mexican friends that I have, mm-hmm. or Hispanic, mostly Mexican, um, are what people used to, like, call... You know, growing up, it would be very mean, you know that, right? So they would call us coconuts because, you know, like brown in the outside, white in the inside. So I know that sounds very mean (laughs) and bad now, but that's what they would call us because, like, my group of Hispanic Mexican friends were in a very similar boat where they didn't identify as uh, or they weren't accepted as Mexican because we did white things. Like, you know, like one of my friends, his name is Alex as well right yeah <laughs> um he's a uh, lighter tone skin lighter skin tone as well and he like didn't li- listen to your traditional mexican music and he liked baseball and then and it's like they would like treat him like he was less than yeah you know, like not enough mexican same thing with other friends that i've had like my um uh, at the time i had a friend named daniel long hair and like again lighter skin tone so like like there was this pocket of kids that like weren't um, accepted as mexican so we just became friends yeah (laughs) and we spoke english the majority of the time we still do um so i guess that's what kind of what what helped me a little bit yeah uh like create our own identity of what it means to be mexican but like yeah it was hard it was hard not being accepted by my peers i guess yeah my fellow mexicans when did you start accepting your identity being like this is who i am and it doesn't change from the fact that i have these experiences but that doesn't change from the fact that i'm still mexican-american or have you reached that point where you're accept you've accepted that or are you still kind of working through that um it's a constant like struggle like i think i think i'm still working to it through it but um i mostly accept it now like i think it like the acceptance started more um my senior year of high school, which this was like maybe almost 10 years ago. Um, that's when I started accepting more of the fact that like, I'm not like every other Mexican person or mm-hmm. what people perceive to be Mexican American. Yeah. Right. And again, I'm from Mexico city. So if you were to look at a map of Mexico and you divide it by regions, mm-hmm. uh, Mexico city is its own little fucking little thing. <laughs> 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 We've always been like very different from the rest of, the country and yeah. if, if you actually like ask anybody that has ever been to mexico city they will tell you that yeah mexico city is very very different than everywhere else specifically the north right we're very different just like in the u.s you have your pacific northwest like people you have southern hospitality which is a very real thing yeah um you have your east coast new yorkers that are assholes and they are <laughs> assholes <laughs> but they're, they're assholes because they're always on the move they're always doing something like they 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 ain't got time to talk they gotta be something, do something. <laughs> and then you got your like west coast people there were like super chill like i guess like some people say they were too chill like, yeah and it's like just like you have your regions in the usa same thing with mexico mexico mm-hmm. is huge <laughs> like yeah people don't realize how big mexico is and um 
it's very different. Even though we all speak the same language, like we're very different. Like if you go to the north, like you got more of your, your cowboys and and like Norteño people, and then if you go to the south, you got more of your native people. Um, uh, uh, Oaxaca is just very different from like Veracruz. Like even though they're both coastal, yeah, uh, states, they're very different. Uh, so same thing with Mexico City. It's very tiny. But again, it's huge. Yeah. And we've always been very different. Um, I lost my train of thought of what I was telling you. No, it's totally fine. I'm, <laughs> I'm, because you're talking about um, Mexico City, and oh, I yes. actually don't know much outside of Guadalajara. So for yes. me, like, you're telling me this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I literally would have never known. So I remember why I was telling you this. I, re- I was telling you this because, so Mexico is very different, right? Mm-hmm. So what people have, what people here in the States, um, their idea of Mexicans is not what Mexico City is. Okay. Right? Mexico City is a huge city. It's a very progressive city. Like, there's buildings. It's like New York. Okay. If you, and, and so when people think of Mexicans, they think of, like, poor, like, brown. Like, it's this white idea of, like, Mexicans are lazy or even though we come here to, like, steal jobs. But yeah. But at the end of the day, we're lazy, we're dirty, we're brown, we're poor. Like, and it's like, it, no, my family wasn't poor. My family mm-hmm. wasn't struggling. We came to the States just because my dad wanted to have a more peaceful life for me and my brother. Not because we were struggling of money, not because there was any issues. No, not nothing at all like that. We weren't having like gang related problems. We weren't having, um, we weren't being persecuted or anything. Yeah. Like it was none of that at all. We just came to the United States just because my dad wanted me and my brother to speak English and have, a, I guess, more opportunities than the ones we already had. So I, I understand that I was very privileged in Mexico Right. So, um, yeah. So whenever, when I, when I came here, it goes to the, with the whole not feeling Mexican enough. Yeah. People like can smell that. They're like, you were like different type of Mexican, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, and so they were like, you're not Mexican. I'm like, what do you mean? Like I grew up like this and this and they're like, yeah. no, but that's not what Mexicans do. And it's like, yes, it is. Even have you ever been to Mexico city? Yeah. Like our whole government is set there, literally there. Wow. And it's so different than the rest of the country. I so, feel like I'm learning so much. Yeah, no. And so, again, going back to, like, the, the not feeling Mexican enough, it was, it, like, stuff like the white people traditionally do, mm-hmm. you know, like Mexicans do in Mexico City. And so, like, I'm like, why do you guys, why were you guys so, like, mean to me mm-hmm. within the white people and Mexicans that are, or Mexican-Americans that grew up here, you know? Yeah. Also, a lot of Mexican-Americans have never gone back to their country like you know their home country the Mm -hmm. motherland and they've never visited or if they have visited they visited some of those like very very pockets of like poor and like dirt and like where there's no roads and they're like oh this must be all of mexico it's like no you like yeah maybe your parents left that because they were struggling and i understand that like most of our people do struggle and leave that that all of that to have a better life here right so that's their idea of like of Mexico, mine was very different. Yeah. Mine was very different. And I guess you can say that's why I was comfortable, like, not being accepted. It was hard not being accepted. It did take a mental toll on me. But at the end of the day, like, I came around there faster than other people, You, mm-hmm. um, I would say, because, again, I was always different since I lived in Mexico. And I, I understood that and knew that because I had the privilege of traveling around Mexico yeah. while other people couldn't. Like, I know a lot of states of Mexico. I know Jalisco. I know Oaxaca. I know uh, Guerrero. Yeah. You know, I know uh, I've been to Las Bajas. Yeah. I've been to um, uh, Chihuahua. I've been to a lot of states in Mexico. Veracruz. Like, yeah. As you're so. saying all of this, 
I know my insecurity of not being Mexican enough. Part of me is like, oh, I feel very white right now. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I that's just like the imposter syndrome, the whatever, the self-doubt in the back of my head as you're saying all this. Because I'm just like, I've literally never been outside of Jalisco. Or like in Mexico, like I've literally never traveled anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Earlier when you said um, something about like the coconut thing. Yeah. I call myself a golden Oreo <laughs> because I'm white-ish on the outside. <laughs> and because of how I grew up, like yeah. living in Idaho made me very, um, makes gave me a very white experience. So. Did, it, did it give you a white experience or that's what you had around? You don't know what I'm saying? Like, again, going back to the me not feeling Mexican, right? That's a good question. You know, like, I wasn't being accepted as being Mexican. I wasn't accepted in the Mexican, like, groups or, or pocket of groups mm-hmm. or the friend, friend groups that would hang out in school. So, like, obviously that got shut down for me. So what was next? Like, white people were accepting of me. Like, you know, they were accepting me as I was. My best friend mm-hmm. happens to be African-American, like, so past my culture and, and my background and it was just like it's just a person this is what i uh, yeah let me become best friends with them you know yeah. and like there's things that i do now that people are like oh that's very like unquote uh black of you like yeah like, what do you mean that's black of me like it's just what i did with my friend and my friend happens to be black so yeah. then, then i'm like oh i get that but okay. it's not that like it's not that i'm trying to be an imposter or it's not that like I learned this from white people. It's more like it was what's available for me and what accepted me. It's what shaped me, I guess you can huh. say. You know? I, I, <laughs> I'm just like trying. I I think to answer the question, I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Because it was what was around me. Mm-hmm. But also, I feel like I didn't really. I don't like, That's a good question. God damn. It's, 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 <laughs> a, it's, it's a hard one to answer. I remember when my therapist yeah. asked me that, and I was just like, well, what do you mean? Like, like if, it, if I guess it was what it was around me, he was like, so then why is that bad? Because, like, again, mm. I would feel, like, guilt of, like, oh, you're acting white, or you're acting this, or you're doing this, because that's very white of you. And it's like, well, what, do you, what else do you want me to do? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, oh, you go skiing? That's very white. Uh, maybe I'm just a fucking Mexican that likes skiing, you know? We got yeah. mountains in Mexico and Monterrey. Like, what the, do you mean? The people that would say these things to you, were were they white? No, they were Mexican. Okay, that was going to be my other thing. I was like, were they white or were they Mexican? No, they were Mexican. And it's like, I guess it's more on or, or the, or the fact that, like, I guess you could say that you and me are passing, right? <sighs> See, I don't know. I think anyone darker than me is, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I feel like it's very obvious for me. Yeah. I can see someone else that yeah. they're like a person of color in, one, in mm-hmm. one way or another. Whereas for me, I just feel like I'm, I blend in with you the did. other white folks. Yeah. So, so I, I, <laughs> I've been, I've been told that I'm, I pass as uh, Asian, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Asian is the model minority, right? So mm-hmm. Asians are more accepted amongst like white crowds than any other minority because they're the model minority, even though that hurts them very bad. And it would be really good to have an Asian perspective about that here. But like, as from, from my experience, like, yes, Asian people get treated very well by white people. <laughs> um, because let's talk about that. Yes. So uh, even though I'm Latino, I've always, always, everybody thinks I'm Asian. Yeah. Um, they think I'm some sort of Asian mixed with white or that I'm like Filipino. Yeah. Um, but always the, 
without a doubt. Oh, are you part Asian and white? And I'm like, no, I'm Mexican. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> how, how were there any instances that you can think of where someone did think you were Asian, Asian mix, and they treated you better? Yeah. Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. Uh, <laughs> okay. You, we all know. We all know how Eastern Washington is. Uh, for those that don't know, um, Washington can be very divided, like in half. Not even half. Maybe like a quarter, <laughs> and then and then the rest is like white Washington, where it's very racist. And like, there's some cities that like maybe your person of color shouldn't be there. Um, there are still KKK chapters in liberal Washington, right? We're painting as this super liberal, like progressive state. Like, yes, people's rights here matter. Gay rights matter. Everything matters here in Washington. But honestly, it's just Seattle. It's King County, the pocket. Maybe yeah. Years. It's just this small little pocket of we live in our own bubble. I, I'm not going to lie. I So I sometimes work up in Fort Orchard. Mm-hmm. I get a little nervous. Yes. And and I, I'm like, I blend in. Yeah. And I get nervous. Yeah. And again, it just kind of reminds me a lot of Idaho. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't have the greatest experiences of Idaho. And then one time I was driving down to Olympia and on the way back, or no, I was driving down to Olympia. I was going down south and people were going up north. There was like easily 200 vehicles with American flags, Trump 2020, 2024, whatever, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Twenty twenty. I don't know, whatever year, whatever year we're in, <laughs> there was a whole bunch of that. And whereas beforehand, I guess I was surprised before I moved up here because I'm like, I would, one does think, oh, it's Seattle. It's liberal. They think everyone is like, it's a liberal state. Parts of it is, but not other. No, and, and even is and even within our own little pocket of like liberal people, there's people that are um, unintentionally racist, like people from Bellevue. They are very, very unintentionally wealthy racists. I call them. Mm-hmm. They paint themselves to be liberal and and like progressive, but at the end of the day, they're not. Um, but going back to like your question, if I've ever, ever experienced like uh, me being treated different because I'm perceived as Asian or yeah. Asian white. Uh, yes, one time I was in um, uh, Ellensburg. We were we were gonna go to um, Eastern Washington University. To Where is Ellensburg? Ellensburg is like right in the center of the state. It's okay, close to the gorge. Uh, the gorge. Okay, uh, yeah. You, you know where Central Washington University is? No, but I'll Google it later. <laughs> but <laughs> center of the state. Okay, we're good. I got yeah, that. So <laughs> Ellensburg. It's the very center of the state. Um, um, me and my uh, ex at the time. Uh, we were going to pick up one of her friends at Eastern Washington mm-hmm. University, uh, but we stopped at Ellensburg to gas and uh, gas up and get food and snacks, whatever. And she is um, Mexican, but darker, like darker skin. Um, and I went to a gas station, uh, the gas station, like fine. I was walking around, mm-hmm. taking my time. I was able to take my time. They were, they paid no attention to me. It was mm-hmm. whatever. The moment she walks in, they like stared her dead stare like they started following her they pretended to clean like around her and they were just looking at her the whole time and then i felt uncomfortable watching that and i was like why do you guys keep following her and they were like i was like you know she's with me and the moment i said she's with me they left her alone and it's like i i think that Mm -hmm. was like the time that i realized that like holy shit i have this privilege that like maybe that's the only time i've actually like felt that like, oh, this is what my other Mexican peers were talking about. That, like, gotcha. Why I was never fully accepted by them because at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to struggle like they are. 
but it, it, it just sucks, right? Because, like, I still do struggle in other areas. Yeah. But, like, that's when I understood that, like, the color factor of my skin had power. Damn. And this was r- recent-ish within the past couple years? Mm, no, this was maybe, like, uh, like, maybe, like, eight years ago. And then from that point on, like, this past eight years, I've noticed, like, Damn. that I'm able to say even even so for example I'm uh, a DACA recipient right mm-hmm. so obviously like I grew up in Mexico was born in Mexico I came here uh, brought or was brought here very at a young age I was 10 or 11 um, when I was brought here yeah um, so I'm not a U.S. citizen I'm not a resident and a lot of the people that are DACA are very afraid to share their status they're like, uh, because they want to, they, they don't want to be treated differently. But I, in the other hand, I'm very open with that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm documented. Like I have DACA, like I can't leave the country, but I'm here legally now, blah, blah, blah. And I'm very proud of that. And like, but then like some people, I, there's people that have DACA that I've talked to and they're like, I can't do that. I can't, like, yeah. I don't feel safe saying that. And I'm like, I wouldn't understand why at first until I had that experience. And it was like, I can say that because I don't feel threatened and someone's going to be like, well, I'm going to call immigration on you or, or do this or that, which is actually illegal. If someone ever threatens you saying that they want to, uh, they're going to call immigration on you, please record that shit and go to a lawyer because you're about to get your papers. That's illegal. They, that's illegal. Yes, that is good information to know. <laughs> but it's a threat. Yeah, it's a threat. Um, it's, it's a, it's a threat that is very illegal and, and does hold value in court, but you have to get it like on recording you know some sort of proof because yeah, then at that point they're threatening your life um it's 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 illegal yes Damn. i know this because like <laughs> it's happened to some people that i know and we've actually talked to lawyers and yes that makes me <laughs> mad yeah that, that's hot that's frustrating um i want to mention something before i forget so when um, I was first doing all of this, I can't remember when you mentioned it, but you mentioned that you that you know Christina. Yes. So a little her. little recap. Christina <laughs> is she was the third episode. Her, that's her, her. The third episode is her episode, and she was the first complete total stranger that I had mm-hmm. met. So the fact that you said that, I was like, that you know her. I was like. Oh my God, what a small fucking world. I know. <laughs> right. And I can't remember exactly what you said, but something about school. Yes. Yeah, so when I was in high school, my, my senior, again, my senior year, always yeah. like every single person that I've ever met that like, is, like that I still like talk to or somewhat like know. Yeah. It started from my senior year in high school and on. Yeah. I think like before my senior year, I, I remember I have memories, but it's like a blur because like I was going through so much mentally. Mm-hmm. I think after high school is when I started like, opening up accepting myself and more of this and that and that's when i started actually like remembering people so christina i went to um washington state university mm-hmm. um she went there um and i went for a program called i think it was called oh, i can't remember if it was sueños or something else it was a program they had yeah. uh, uh wsu for latinos um, yeah if you wanted to go, you would go, and then they would teach the like show you around, talk to you about scholarships, talk to you about like the um, the process of like applying for there and going. And 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 Christina happened to be my mentor for that weekend. Christina and this other guy named Frankie, um, where they were super cool, super chill. And then um, 
yeah, she was basically my mentor uh, of that whole weekend, that whole trip. And and we kept in contact after that to the point where, like, um, she was part of a sorority. And yeah. then one of my close friends, they went to WSU, joined that sorority without knowing that, like, Christina was there. Um, and then she was like, and then when I went to visit my friend, I seen her there and she was like, oh, this is my sister. I was like, no way. That's that was my yeah. mentor. <laughs> so like, again, she kept coming around. Like, yeah. And so like now, like, that's yeah, that's how I met her. And she's just been around. Well, I just think that's so funny. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily funny, but like just interesting. What a small world. And you guys both found that TikTok video and yeah. you guys are both on here. So I don't know. It's just something about it that makes me go like, oh. That's cool. Yeah, you're reaching your target audience. There you go. Hey, that's great. Oh, I'm doing something right. The algorithm's doing It's doing something, obviously. Anything you want to talk about that we've talked about so far? Mm, no, I think we're good. Okay. I mean, if more comes up, then we'll talk about it. But Sounds like right good. Now, yeah, I'm good. Um, you know what? Let's stick with you coming over here at 10, 11 years old. How was that journey for you? Like, what do you remember? Um, I didn't come your traditional way, um, you know, or... What is traditional? Traditionally, more pe- most people come through um, overstate visa. So what that means is that you, you get a visa from your country of birth or, yeah. or, or original country. You come to the States with a visa permission, mm-hmm. which is normally six to nine months, um, and you overstay it, your permission you run the risk of like getting arrested and getting thrown back obviously it's called deportation or they can never find out and you just live in the shadows and hide most immigrants come that way because the u.s immigration system sucks it sucks it does. does it really it really does really yes <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> um you know it sucks uh and especially for like mexican people like the waiting period is like 20 years that's if you know someone they like, for example, let's say one of your brother or sister, like they happen to be U.S. born citizens, right? Um, not only you have to wait until they're 21, you have to wait until they can like prove that they can um, take care of you financially, right? So however long that takes, let's say they, let's, let's say, let's put it into perspective. Let's say they take until they're 25 to be financially stable, yeah. to be able to like sustain someone else with their finances, right? You have to wait until they're 25 on top of that. The waiting period, the line for Mexican for Mexican people is 20 years. 20 years. So on, on top of like waiting 25 years for your brother to be financially stable, you would have to wait until he's 45 for you to get your green card. Green card, not even like uh like you're a citizen now. No, you get a green card, a conditional green card. That's how much. And then like when people are like, oh well, why didn't you wait in line? Yeah. Go, you wait in line. You wait 20 years with your life probably threatening or, or or you wait 20 more years in poverty. Do that, right? Like wow. that's, that's what like Americans don't understand is that like we want to do things the right way. We want to follow your laws. Yes, you're a country of laws, just like my country has laws. Like we want to do that. Yeah. It's not that we don't want to. It's just that, like your laws suck. <laughs> and like, and like wow. your law is not going to stop me from being poor and eating dirt for 20 more years yeah it's not like i'm gonna do whatever i have to you know to get here so most people overstay their visa i didn't come that way um i came the way where you actually like cross the border and like run through the desert and and go through some rivers at 10 11 years old um 
my dad was uh, very, very uh, creative. <laughs> and he uh, made it seem like it was a game for me and my brother. My brother is just two years younger than me. Um, I'm 26 now, I'm about to be 27. My brother is uh, 24. Yeah. So at the time, my brother was like eight or seven. But my dad made it, made it seem like a game for me and my brother the whole time. Uh, he never truly like... Or when I was young, I never truly understood what was going on. All I knew is that like we were gonna go visit family in the USA, and, yeah. and then my dad, and my dad always made the USA be like, um, be very like la la land. Like hey, we're gonna have this, you're gonna have toys, you're gonna have this. It's mm -hmm. gonna be fun. You're gonna love it. You're gonna learn English. And the idea of like we already went to private school in Mexico. Again, mm -hmm. going back to the I'm a privileged person, right? I didn't come here because. We were poor or anything like i was privileged i was going to private school this and that mm -hmm. i i didn't understand why we were coming until so my dad made it seem like a game like oh you're gonna learn english you're gonna mm -hmm. do this and so he was like oh if you keep running i'll give you 20 pesos or some whatever yeah. you know because i was mexican so like pesos were like the shit for me <laughs> so it was like oh i'll give you like 50 pesos and, and i was like oh fuck yeah okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me keep running yeah know? Or like, oh, you gotta stay quiet here, right? Remember when we get on the other side, like you're gonna get like this much amount of money, and I was like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. um, to the point where, like, when we actually got to the states, I didn't know the game was over, and then my dad, and then like my dad was like, yeah, we're here, go outside, and I, was, I went outside, and I was like, it just looks like a like it just looks like yeah. a house. Like, what, what? When is the difference kicking in? It never did. <laughs> it was like it's just like it's just the USA. But my dad, again, my dad, very cute, I guess you can say. Um, very made it like a game for yeah. me and my brother yeah but now that i look back at it as an adult i'm like holy shit like that shit was dangerous yeah. we walked in a desert for a whole day uh we crossed two rivers one was like uh like a nasty ass like dirty river um and then the other one was uh clear clean um um process water river uh we crossed both of them in a little like boat inflatable boat mm -hmm. that was deflating as we were crossing so um i remember running in the desert my my legs sometimes like falling into the snake pits um yeah oh my god that was the thing uh we would have to like before we let we leave we would have to like put um garlic all over our feet our hands our neck um because like uh snakes don't like um the smell of garlic mm -hmm. like they deter from garlic so we would have to like rub garlic all over ourselves just so the snakes wouldn't bite us in the desert when we were like sleeping or like resting or whatever. We had to wait for the Aventon to get there. The Aventon is basically the person that like picks you up um, and then takes you to like a safe house, right? So after you cross or walk all that, they pick you up. And then I remember we were like put there like sardines, like in the cart and small ass car, like fucking 20, 30 people, like just rushed to a house, a safe house. Um, then from that safe house, they pick us up. And I remember towards the end when we actually like made it to the USA, um, they ended up separating my mom, uh, my mom, me and my, uh, my brother from my dad. My dad ended up going in another car and that was terrifying for my mom. And then at the, and then I didn't realize what was going on at first, but then once I realized that my dad wasn't there with us and it was just like me, my mom, my brother, this other one guy and this other lady in one car, my mom, like, got terrified my mom immediately thought like they're about to kill me and my sons for our organs or something yeah and my dad like my dad made it to the house the, the safe house first in uh, central california and then we made it there and once we made it then my dad like 
had such a relief. Yeah. Um, my, apparently my dad was crying and like my like, but my dad couldn't say anything because like there was like cholo looking people like that's um on this side already. Yeah. yeah. Once we cross, uh, they would like tell us to shut up or like, and then they would flash guns at us like like this was the the human traffickers, right? They would flash their guns at us. They were like, shut up, shut the fuck up. Like you guys gonna get us like uh like caught and it's not like yeah it's it's not pretty yeah right so it's not it's really not pretty the human trafficking is not pretty at all it's it's just as bad and just as ugly as as people make it seem and it, it is it's really bad i lived it right as a, as a little kid now looking back i remember all of that and i'm like holy shit like thank god for my dad that made it seem like it was a game and he tried to show us as much as he could from the bad things yeah but it was horrible yeah Oh my god. I'm just trying to imagine because I don't know if I've ever told the story of how I came to the States, but that's something that I I can't I literally cannot fucking imagine having to do deal with that as a little kid. Cause my I remember my dad was 17 or so, and I think that's crazy coming over here. But to go as a little kid, you have no idea what's going on, how much more terrifying that is, and just, like, the dangers that you're actually in. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, several times my my um, my parents, like, we, because we didn't pass the first try. We got caught, like, for, like, two months. And we would try, because back then they had, they did have the catch and release rule that they, they would catch you in the process of trying to cross. They would keep you for the night and then release you the next day. Okay, so if you came over at 10 years old, well, this was in the early 2000s then? Yes, 2005, I believe, yes. Oh, so things were starting to get a little more more intense on the on the, yes, on the they, border they, wall. Right, or the because border. after 01, after, the, after 9-11, yeah. things got more tight and, and aggressive at the border wall. But, wow. um, they, but they still had the catch and release uh, rule where yeah. they, they would catch you, keep you overnight, release you, right? And back then, they wouldn't separate children from their parents. Like they would, they would, now they do, they still do under, oh my God. under Biden's uh, America. They still do. And it's like people, uh, people gave Trump so much shit for that. Like the, oh, you're separating kids from their parents. And now, but Biden got into the office and it's still he's going doing on the same thing. Obama like deported 2 million people, 2 million like Latinos, like he deported, he's known as the deported in chief like that's like his nickname amongst like the community you know because he deported a lot of our community and and like democrats and republicans they both like seem like they're trying to help but they don't um mm-hmm. so yeah it sucked uh but yeah back then they wouldn't separate kids from their parents my mom uh normally would stay with us once they would once they would catch us and mm-hmm. they would tell my mom like the immigration officers like they all speak Spanish. They all speak Spanish and English. Even those guaritos, even the whitest. Ones, <laughs> they all speak Spanish. Yeah. And like, they would be like, yo, like they would bring out like a, a jar, like this big with um, alacranes. I don't know. <gasps> what are they called? Uh, scorpions. scorpions. Yes. Oh my scorpions. God. Like, these are the kind of scorpions that are out there in the desert. Like, why are you putting your kids to this? Like trying to put fear in my mom. Like, why are you like making your kids cross this way? Like the like the immigrant like the officers would be like there's That's some gaslighting yeah yeah and then the the they would be like there's other ways you can do it with your kids and then my mom like because they knew that we were gonna keep trying right like yeah they know that we're gonna keep trying as much as they arrest us we're gonna keep trying yeah because we're looking for that better life they understand this like white people understand this but they like they're so scared of like falling behind. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's a lot to unpack. I know. Honestly, like, ah, God. Like, I I came over at nine months old. That is my, that was my privilege. My, (laughs) my luck was being young enough where I had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I was a quiet baby. Um, Again, I don't know if I've already, I've told this story or not, but like, there's just so many different stories of how people come to the U.S. Mm-hmm. My, I think my parents were supposed, like, someone was supposed to fly with me over to the states. I was supposed to be like their child. I don't know something along the lines of a flight was missed, so they gave me to a coyote, and then boom, the next day my parents met me on the other side, and they just handed me, this coyote handed me back to my parents. Yeah, this was in the. This was in 1995. Yeah, that's that was still a very common way of crossing kids. Um, yeah, even when I was younger, um, if you were if you were younger, they would just give you um, the identity of some of an American kid. Mm. They were like, "This is your name. This is your age. Just learn this. This is where you're going. This is where you're from." Right? I and didn't know would, that. And you would learn like for an older kid my age, like uh, nine, ten. They were yeah. like, "You got to learn this in English, and you don't say nothing other than this." Right? I'm like, "All right, cool." Um, the other way was if you were younger, they would put you to sleep. That's like so they would scary. inject something in your. In oh your my stream. god! Did they give me something? Maybe, <gasps> possibly. Like it was a very common thing to do, especially with babies, because like they wouldn't want them to cry. Um, they would put them to sleep. I was nine months old. This is, but this is what our, this is what our families do to like find a. That's better okay. Life. That's so crazy to me, and like I've always been super thankful because um. I, I'm the only child out of my, my, the three of us, the siblings, I'm the only one that was born in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have my citizenship status, but it's through my dad because my dad did like, my dad was on top of his shit. So mm-hmm. he's the reason I have my status mm-hmm. and I've always been very thankful because I've, I've heard stories and I have family members who don't have their citizenship status. So like, I, I was aware of the, some of the difficulties, but I was not, I, I wasn't this aware. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, no, it's bad. It's really bad. Some people get days without eating or drinking water, and like some people, unfortunately, do die in the desert. Yeah, I I saw bones. <gasps> Shut up. Yes, as a kid, I saw bones with like t-shirts and pants, and it's like it was so sad. And my again, again, my dad would try really hard to like make us not seem that he'd be like, oh, don't look that way, just keep running. But like, you know, as a little kid, you get curious, you look around, and you're like, oh, what the fuck is that? I didn't know what that was at the moment. Now looking back, I'm like, holy shit, that was a human that probably died crossing, wow, trying to cross, trying to get a better life, and that's the reality of the world we live in. Like, yeah, wow, like I actually just got really like my my stomach does not feel good right now. I'm so sorry. I didn't, no, I no, really you're you're fine. Too much. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 the sad reality of an immigrant, I guess you you could say, right? That like yeah. you know, a lot of people realize that like it's that serious and like for example when people are like don't you want like like tougher immigration laws and i'm like no i want easier immigration laws yes get tougher on the border if you want like yeah like there are people crossing still at the border but it's even harder now than it was before oh yeah like right it's super hard to pass through like the border um and and now it's it's getting worse with coyotes we're at the point where they're like they're making you like cross with drugs now like before they wouldn't some yeah. some would some wouldn't right like me and my family we didn't pass for drugs they didn't put anything on us but now they're like forcing people to and if you don't want to they'll like put you to sleep open you up and then they pass you as a dead body sometimes 
um, especially to people from Central America, which is really fucked up for, like, for them, you know? Some people cross not just one border. They cross three, four, five. They have yeah. to cross through Mexico. They have, in the USA, others, yeah, it's bad. It's oh really bad. <laughs> so, like, I'm thankful that, like, I'm here now. Yeah. But it is a traumatizing experience. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot of, like, getting through that I had to go with my therapist about that. Wow. That's why I can talk about it now so nonchalant, but like before, no, like it was like hard. It yeah. Was hard for me to talk about it, yeah. I'm, my brain is processing this. <laughs> no, you're good. And I, it's, I didn't mean to make this episode like this deep, but like, yeah, no, but honestly. It's just, it's just like my story, again, my story of what makes me me. And like, again, I think going back to the non binary thing, it's like I've experienced or I've seen so much of people just trying to be people. And like it, being a man or a woman is just so minuscule to like being a person. Like you're just a person trying to be better, mm-hmm. trying to do good, trying to do good for your family, trying to do good for yourself. Like for us to like get mad at someone because they want to be called a woman or a man, and like that's ridiculous and stupid to me. Like plain and simple. Like you're really gonna judge someone because they want to dress like a woman or because they want to be like a man or because they're transgender or gay or whatever. Like bro, that go through what I had to go through to come to the United States. And then maybe you and I realize that like that shit doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. What matters is just being a person that like wants to be happy, live a happy life. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) For real. Snapping my fingers. Wow. Okay. I think we can move on to a different topic now. (laughs) I mean, unless there's something else you want to mention, I feel like this is a good kind of segue into something else. Um, no, just like if you're out there and you have like legal status and you can do something for your immigrant brothers and sisters, like why not, you know, like be a voice for them. Like not a lot of us, again, not, not a lot of us have the privilege of like being the voice of, of our own people because like there's still that fear of like, what if I get deported or what if they start targeting me? Um, I don't have the fear, again, mainly because I don't look brown or look your traditional Mexican. So I fight for my brothers and sisters that are like, documented as well or whatever Mm -hmm. but uh if you can do it and you're comfortable doing it why not fucking do it (laughs) hallelujah (laughs) (laughs) um all righty so i kind of want to talk a little bit in about we kind of briefly touched base a little bit and you said you're pansexual how was that journey of yours to figuring out your your gender your sexuality hard hard. <laughs> Super hard um again growing up pentecostal christian uh even though the bible has never taught or said anything about homosexuality like yeah there's texts now that say men should not lie with men as they do with women but that's the one that they always go through uh, or they go to um numbers with uh, the apostle paul this is a lot of like terminology that most people don't know maybe right because again i grew up in the church and I grew up with a pastor mom, so I know all of these things by heart. Yeah. Uh, so um, the Apostle Paul apparently also said that men should not like with men. Um, there's like five texts in the Bible now that say that men should not like with men or, or calling homosexuality a sin, right? But if you actually study the original Hebrew, there's no word for homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, God never really talked about homosexuality. The common practice back then during Lot's era, uh, like... Um, Sodoma and Gomorrah, you know, the cities, like, in, yeah. I'm familiar with so it. So the cities that God destroyed because of their sexual immorality. Uh, 
yes, there was sexual immorality. Yes, God does God to detest sexual immorality. However, homosexuality was never part of it. The common practice was that like um if a foreigner came to the city, you give you gave them to the people for them to like have their way with them, give them their welcome, you know, like rape them some most of the time, like fuck them, like if it was uh, uh and then and then the most common practice was men, like older men sleeping with younger kids. Mm. Like and that's what literally like when you read the original text, it says that like men should not lie with kids as they do with women. Ah. So pedophilia was the original, what the original text was talking about. And it, I think it was like King James was the one that like eventually like switched it. And then like conservative anti LGBT groups started adding more text to it and like switching the words around to like homosexuality. Yeah, it, it, it got adultered very bad. So Yeah, I, I think I'm a little familiar that that ended up happening in the mid 50s 60s during yes. that time period when, yeah and and it coincides with like how like america started getting more like uh conservative mm-hmm. during that time um so yes growing up pentecostal christian we try to follow more things closer to the bible right mm-hmm. than catholics per se catholics will have like their rosary and this and that which in the Christian Bible, it doesn't say anything like that. Like the rosary, you know, we don't do none of that. We don't pray mm-hmm. to like um, saints. Yeah. Because you know, we're in, in Christianity we, or Pentecostal, we believe that we're saints ourselves. Okay. We're all saints um, and we're all gods. Lowercase g gods. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not the god because we're all, we're all kids. We're all like um, children of God. Gotcha. Therefore, mm-hmm. if we're created in his likeness and image, we're God too, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, so that's the idea, but um, we try to follow everything by the by by the Bible because that's God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, growing up in the era where like homosexuality is like fucking sin, right? Um, I pray the gay away. I like I understood that like I like guys mm-hmm. since I was a little kid. I remember walking around like fucking. JC Penny with, <laughs> with my mom and I would run like on the underwear section for guys. Yeah. And I swear to God, like I tell this story to so many guys that like happen to be like gay, bye, and they're like, yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> we I would walk around like the underwear area, you know, when you have the models and just an underwear. And yeah. I would look at it and I'm like, man, that's that's attractive. Yeah. <laughs> that guy is sexy, you know. Yeah. But I, I would also like look at the women and I was like, man, that's, that's hot. That's yeah. Hot. So like I knew there was something there that like I like guys just as much as I like girls. Um, and but like growing up in um, a Pentecostal household, it was like a big no no. Like no, you don't like guys. Like that's bad. That's a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember there was this one. Uh, I think pastor slash musician that like happened to be his his whole um, testimony was that he used to be bi and he had a wife and he prayed and like for like the temptation to go away and eventually went away and and, that, and like. I remember after seeing him, I was like, shit, I can never tell this to my parents. Like, I cannot, these can never come out. Like, fuck no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, like, I suppressed it. And then I became very, I guess you can say religious. I would pray a lot and, um, and study the Bible a lot. And I would pray in a way. Like, I would be like, Lord, please, like, take it away. Why am I like this? Why do I like guys? Why? How old were you when you first started kind of praying the gay away? This was, like, middle school, high school. Like, yeah. So, like, when you're coming of age, like, Mm -hmm. that's, 
those were like the most traumatizing times of my life where I was just like, no, I need to like pray this away. Like it got, needs to go away. Like God, mm -hmm. no, blah, blah. like I couldn't even masturbate. Like that's how like religious I was. Like if you masturbate and you're sinning, like it was that, it was that hard. I had a <laughs> TMI, but I had, a, I had a wet dream once, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know, if you're a guy, if you don't release, mm -hmm. it builds up and your body finds a way to get rid of it. Most mm -hmm. of the time it just like dissolves by itself and, your body gets rid of it, but sometimes, you know, you have wet dreams, especially as a teenager. Um, that's when semen just naturally comes out there in the middle of your night or dreaming, um, for those that don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a wet dream, and immediately the first thing I did was I get up, get on my, I didn't even think to change. I get up, get on my knees, and I'm like, Lord, please forgive me because I have sinned, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's how religious I was, right? Yeah. And it was hard for me. So when I discovered that I have these feelings for men, it was like, no, oh my God, no, it was horrible. It was like hell for me. I, I honestly, like, as you're saying this, I'm not different extent, but similar um, feelings. Like I, the thought, like I suppress it so hard. Mm -hmm. Religion had part of it to do with it. And so I didn't even come out to myself until a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was then that I'm like, oh, I had all these moments that happened. Like, I should have known. Yeah. I should have known. Yeah. And so I do remember, I don't know that I actively, like, prayed the gay away, but I do remember, like, masturbation. I, like, that was a huge sin, too. Like, that was, yeah. like, a, even a, a slight thought in your head was, like, oh, you're going to hell. Yeah. You have to pray the rosary now this time. Like, yeah. you know, that's how it was for us. So I'm just, yeah. like, as you're saying all this, I'm, like, I understand that trauma, man. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. No, and, it, and it was like, it was to the point where like, um, they were like the pastors that I would talk to the youth pastors and whatnot. They would be like, well, was there any like trauma? Like, cause they heavily correlate being like gay or bi or whatever, um, or even lesbian, um, with, uh, having like a sexual trauma. They're like, did anybody ever rape you when you were young? Like touch or anything? And I was like, Yes, but that's not why, you know, mm -hmm. like, because I did get um, molested as a kid when I was six years old. Mm -hmm. uh, my nanny at the time, which happened to be a female. So, yes, it does happen to guys too. Yes, it does. Um, uh, touched me in, like, I was a kid. She was, like, 15 at the time, right? Yeah. And then, like, she touched me and, like, uh, gum stripped me down naked and did things to me that, like, I remember half of them because it was very, very impactful. Yeah. Uh, but then the other half I tried to suppress um, not anymore, you know, after therapy, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but like they would, I try to be like, oh, it's because of that, because of that. And it's like, no, I had this feeling towards guys way before that. Like I would look at little kids in my age group and be like, oh, you know, like, and so people would be like, oh, he's just being friendly with him. And it's like, no, I was like legit had a crush on this little kid. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, that's how I was. So yeah, it was hard growing up Christian or Pentecostal Christian and and then trying to accept the fact that i was this way and after many years of praying the gay away and it wouldn't go away <laughs> uh i when i was i finally realized like maybe maybe god doesn't make mistakes you know like lady gaga <laughs> uh yeah god doesn't make mistakes so if he made me this way for a reason like again my whole idea of theology with christianity is that like in life in general, it's like you're a human first and foremost. Again, going back to that, you're a human first and mm -hmm. foremost. Um, everything else that happens in life is an experience. Um, and I don't think God like, will allow anything 
bad to happen to you that is like like you know being gay like if it was really bad and why is there so many gay people in the world yeah. or bisexual and stuff like that you know and i think that's normal like you can see it in, in nature right when people are like oh that's going against god's nature and it's like uh god's nature right? there's fucking gay penguins that will adopt penguins that don't have a mother and raise them as their own there's gay giraffes that like literally fuck there is also have, like relationships there's this a really fun fact that I like to share whenever it comes up. There's an actual fish that can change its um, its sex. Yeah, the clownfish. I don't remember what it's called. Nemo. I just know they can do it. Shut the fuck up. It's no, it's Nemo. not. What? Yeah, clownfish can say, uh, change their sex depending on what's needed. Whether uh, So, for example... What? <laughs> interesting fact. If Nemo was real, right? Like, his dad, Marlin, would have turned into a woman. So, when Nemo would come of age, they would have kids. That's how clownfish work. Wow. You're full of fun facts. Dude, I learned. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, take me to a trivia night. We're going to win. Oh, bro. <laughs> I know so much like trivia. It's it's ridiculous. Like my friends tell me like all the time they make fun of me. They're like, you're walking uh, Wikipedia. And I'm like, bro, as concise, I, on my free time, as that's what I do. I like to read. I like yeah. to like, just find fun facts, go into rabbit holes and yeah. find shit. Sometimes those rabbit holes take me to some weird shit, and I'm like, man, what the fuck? <laughs> but um, no, yeah, that's what I like doing. Yeah. Like, I like, yeah, in my free time, I like just learning things and also listening to music a lot. Like, music and learning, I think that's what, when I, I guess, it goes back to, like, my, my days of struggle, like, and, and becoming, coming of age and coming to myself. I think the things that would give, kept, kept me, keep me safe was when I would actually, like, do the things I enjoy doing, like, mm-hmm. I did cheer right in high school, mm. my senior year in high school, and and immediately like I went to Foster High School, which is in Tequila, uh, Washington. Um, if you know Tequila, Washington, you know that it's one of the most diverse cities in the nation. Really? Yes, it's very diverse. Uh, my school alone, Foster High School, at the time, there was over sixty languages spoken in that school. It was considered one of the most diverse schools in the nation. Um, wow, it's very diverse. But even with that much diversity, there was there's still like the oh you're fucking gay because you're doing cheer, stupid shit, right? And my brother even once like almost beat up someone because they're like oh your brother is gay, isn't that my brother? My brother like my brother so sweet, my brother loves me, and he would be like no he's not gay, blah blah. blah. And it's like yeah I, I experienced that you know, but then I was like fuck it why not why not do cheer like I did cheer I mm-hmm. loved it it was the funnest thing I've ever done yeah like, I loved it. Um, and that's when I started like doing shit that I like. That when I realized, fuck this shit, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it was hard. And then that's when I started realizing, like, maybe I should live religion. And I started re- deconstructing my faith. And mm-hmm. Faith deconstruction is hard too. <laughs> that's another thing that, like, another roller coaster. Because then you start realizing that, like, oh, maybe this wasn't really true, or this wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Are you um, out to your family? Um, majority of people I'm out to. Uh, my mom and dad, like, I think uh, if I haven't explicitly told them, like, hey, like, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. Yeah. Um, it, but they know. But they, they know. They've always known. My mom has always known. My mom has asked me, like, you're gay? And I'm like, mom, like, do you? And I've told her, like, like that asked. She, one time she was like, are you gay? And I was like, do you want the answer to that question? And she was like, I think I already do, but I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, all right, well, then let's not have an argument. Because 
my parents still like believe in their religion and mm -hmm. whatnot, you know. And whenever they talk about like when uh, gay marriage became legal, they're like, "Oh my God, now all the things I get married." And I was like, "How does that affect you?" <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, I defend these things in front of them, and they're like, "Well, are you?" And I'm like, "Do you want to know?" Like, we can have this conversation. I'm open to having this conversation, yeah. but like, are you like emotionally like stable enough to have this conversation? Where like, can you accept the fact that you have a kid that is this way? Yeah, and Till this day, they haven't said yes. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll refrain myself from having this conversation with you. But you already fucking know. So whenever you want to come around it and have, yeah. like, actually have a conversation about it, let me know. That's basically the stand where, where I'm at with my dad and mom. Yeah. And it's like, that's where we're at. Oh. Yeah. It's just it's it's a whole it's a whole thing to avoid an, uh, an argument. Like, um. So basically, yes, my mom and dad, in a way, no. Mm -hmm. they know um but they're i guess i i think it was more the fact that i started dating a girl where they got like more lenient toward towards it because they're like oh, okay so he does like girls i'm like mm -hmm. yeah it's like dude like i like everything yeah <laughs> like you should see me on the weekend yeah no but yeah it's like yeah i like everything they 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 know but they don't know i guess if that makes sense that like, yeah they know they know it's not that they don't know. They just don't want to talk about it. Gotcha. Yeah. That that makes me... I I, I just... I'm asking these things because I'm always curious. Like, how is that with your parents? How is that going? Also, because I'm not out to my parents. And my parents are coming to visit me next month. And I'm mm -hmm. just like... I have a big old pride flag in my living room. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got to happen eventually. Yeah. I want it to happen eventually. Yeah. But, like... For the, so the way I see it is a whole respect thing between me and my parents, right? They respect me, I respect them, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable either. Um, while this is a very important part of me, I hate making feel, uh, people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So, like, if they don't want to talk about it, I won't talk about it with them. And, mm -hmm. and, and then some people are like, oh, so it's like, don't ask, don't tell. Like, you're being closeted to your parents. Like, no, they know. They know. Uh, they're aware of my lifestyle. In quotes, I hate calling it a lifestyle, but, like, they're aware of how I am mm -hmm. or, or the things I like, um, but out of respect because they respect me and they don't want to like hurt me emotionally and, and I don't want to hurt them either. Mm -hmm. Like we won't just won't talk about it until they're ready. Like I don't want to push someone to accept people either. Like, if, like, yeah, like I feel like we live in this society right now where like it's like if you don't accept my ideas or you don't think like I do, I'm immediately like shooting you out. Like I'm shutting you i'm canceling you defending mm -hmm. you you're no longer my friend like on social media you see it all the time people share a little thing a little thought that is a little different from them they're like oh un unfriend me unfollow me this and that and it's like why like why can't we have a conversation or why can you why can't we be like meet people halfway and be ready for them to have the conversation change doesn't have humanly like change mm -hmm. is it, never supposed to happen like instantly right we mm -hmm. want it instantly now younger generations we want it instantly but like that doesn't fit the uh, psyche of humans like humans don't like rapid change humans mm -hmm. like incre uh, in like increasing change yeah in small increments of change yeah that's how naturally we accept it when you do it from one day to the other that's when it doesn't work and so like from i don't like pushing people into accepting things like right away mm -hmm. right like for example i have a friend that he happened to be a trump supporter like Trump, mm -hmm. like this, Trump, that, F Hillary, this and that, like hardcore. And then when I finally told him, I was like, bro, like these are some of the ideas that the person you want to vote for has. 
that affects people like me. And I told him about like immigration and this and that. And like, I was like, when you're voting for this guy, you're also voting to hurt me in this ways. Mm -hmm. And he completely understood that. Right. And so like he opened his idea to, um, even though he still voted for Trump as a president in local elections, he tended to elect people more than fall in line with like, how, how can I help my friends or how can I help this and that? Like, you know, for local, for Washington mm -hmm. elections, he elected more people that like, would in a sense would help me. Yeah. But like, it took that conversation. It took, I could have easily been like, no, fuck you, man. You're like voting for people that are going to hurt me. Like, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to be around you. Right. And many people did do that to him. Like it, this was a coworker and like they it alienated him. And, mm -hmm. This dude went through like a depressive state badly. And I've been like, I didn't do that. I was just like, yo, like, this is how the people that you want to vote for affect me. This is how you can help me. Let's have this conversation. And he was open to having that conversation. And it's like, and I asked him, I was like, did anybody ever like just have a conversation with you or talk to you? Like, try to understand why you want to vote for this guy. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, nobody ever did. It was just as soon as they heard I was voting for Trump, they were like, oh my God, walk that ill. And it's like, I, if, how are we supposed to reach people across the aisle, right? Mm -hmm. Or to people to believe like the way we believe, we don't, we're not willing to have this conversation with them. You have a very, I feel like you approach it in a very kind way, very open way mm -hmm. that like me and my stubbornness, mm -hmm. I would have a hard time <laughs> proceeding to doing how you do it. Mm -hmm. So I admire that from you because I feel, I know that I'm very stubborn. I would have a difficult time with that, but I'm also trying to like, not let things get to me and when i am stubborn with things i know that i can get very emotionally yeah. heated and stuff like that so i appreciate you saying what you're saying because i'm just like mm. no so the way i see it is like okay think about it this way like you want to be accepted and you want to be seen mm -hmm. and you also want to be uh understood right yeah everybody does everybody does and when we don't um do that with people then that makes them feel alienated that makes them feel like hurt and so once they're like hurt and alienated what they're going to do is they're going to look for people that just think exactly like them right mm -hmm. and that's how you create like hate groups because then now you're forcing him to go find someone that thinks like him and doesn't have the other like the view the other the other view right he doesn't mm -hmm. have my view anymore because i never talked to him mm -hmm. and now he goes finds people that think like him and now these people that think like him, they might have some even more extreme ideas. Mm -hmm. Then now because they're actually listening to him and they agree with him, now they can um, put those ideas into him, give them more extreme ideas. And that's how you like radicalize someone. Mm -hmm. That's radicalizing someone is because we push them so far away from our society that they don't feel accepted anymore, right? Same thing with like, um, and not to say that like they're gay people or like LGBTQ people are, are radicalized no but like again when you're lgbtq you're not accepted in the society like like traditionally you would be if you're like just straight mm -hmm. um so then you get alienated to finding people that are like you right that's why we have pride you know because we hang out around people that are like us uh the people that would understand us right but uh, if uh straight people would ever just sit down and actually listen to us and they would see that we're not that much different you know yeah. so it just takes talking to someone that's, that's all that, that's the way i see it because mm -hmm. At one point, I wanted to be seen as Mexican, heard, you know, but nobody ever did. So then I got pushed to what I had, which was like acting white in their eyes, right? That makes sense to me. Well, damn. <laughs> I know I like having these conversations because it always kind of bring it helps bring a new perspective into mind and it helps me kind of realize like, oh, maybe I was being too harsh 
in this situation, or maybe I wasn't so open into this situation. Because I do, I think you do have a valid point where if you don't have these open conversations with people, they might end up being pushed away into something that ends up being detrimental to them as well, because mm-hmm. they get engulfed into whatever is going on in that section. Yeah. Hmm. You learn something new every day. <laughs> no, but like, no, but it is hard to like have conversations with people sometimes. Like, I, I almost, let me say, I admire that you can have those conversations because I don't, I generally don't know that I would have the patience. Mm-hmm. I've tried with one person before and it was, we had very differing, differing um, political views and it was really hard for me, but I gave it a shot. I'm like, hey, why do you see it like this? Or why do you feel like this when you have something over here? I don't know. I was just having having an com- yeah. open conversation like that. And it was difficult. And I can't I don't know, I commend you for doing that because I genuinely don't know that I would have the the kindness. And I don't know that I would be let go of my stubbornness to be able to have that kind of open conversation. Yeah, I think the whole, <laughs> the whole like key to like having those conversations is just like, you're going in there not to judge the person. You're going in there not to tell the person they're wrong. Because immediately, if you tell someone you're wrong, like, that's when you both are going to close your mind. Yeah. Like, if, you know, you believe something with your heart, with your, all your being, and you're like, oh, you're wrong. Like, who the fuck are you going to tell me I'm wrong? You know, like, you don't, no human ever wants to be told that they're wrong. So, um, yeah, you got to go in there with an open mind. Um, try to understand their point of view. Like, mm-hmm. it, sometimes it can sound fucked up. And yes, I've gotten mad, like listening to people like, and be like, well, how can you believe this way? You know? Yeah. But then I asked them that, like, well, why do you believe that? And then they explain it. And then they're like, and then I realized, oh, that's because you've never met someone that like happens to be an immigrant. That's why you, that's why you just believe this immigrant, like immigration stories that like we take welfare and this and that. And like my friend uh, was like that. He was like, oh, immigrants are here to take your jobs. I was like, what jobs, bro? I was like, we don't have a social security. What jobs? tell me and then like he wouldn't come up with that one and i was like he could, couldn't come up with like an explanation because he was just repeating points that like far right people repeat on television right mm-hmm. they're here to steal our jobs all right what jobs oh i don't know all right cool so we can't get jobs because we don't have social securities yes we get jobs it's probably low-key under the table it's probably like your fucking kitchen guy or mm-hmm. like your waiter or like in the fields bro like 90% of the produce go through Mexican hands in this nation. Like, did you know that? I was like, you wanted to pour all of them? Where are you going to get your produce? Yeah. And then like, he had nothing else to say. He was like, oh, yeah, they take welfare. And I was like, again, once again, you need a social security for that. I was like, where are we getting a social security? Oh, you guys steal social security from other people? I was like, no. That's like, there's people that do that, yes. But like, the most, vast majority of people, we don't. Mm-hmm. Bro, like, and they're like, oh, you guys get like, help to buy cars like no bro when mexicans buy cars they buy that shit in cash yeah because they <laughs> save their money and then you're thinking they're more successful bro how could someone that like doesn't have a social security is working his ass off can afford the sack of sheds at this point it's just jealousy i tell them almost like you're jealous that they can afford shit that you can't afford mm-hmm. and they're doing it without a social security and you have a social security and then, then we got to the root of that problem. It was like, yeah, he's just jealous of the success of others. And it's like, but there's just success. And I told him, I was like, there's just a successful white people. There's successful, like, um, Asians. I was like, it's just a mentality, bro, of, like, mm-hmm. working hard, like, like getting your shit together, like, work towards your goals. Like, that doesn't have nothing to be, that has nothing to do with being an immigrant. 
And then that's when he started changing his perspective on immigration and stuff like that. And it's like, again, it was a conversation. It just took a conversation, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe he would have like gotten even more extreme if he would never had the conversation with me. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Right. But like, as far as I know, after that conversation, he changed his political views a little bit. Well, damn. Look at you, Alex, changing perspective, <laughs> changing people one person at a time. That totally could have sounded a lot better. Anyways, yeah, no, okay. But like, yeah, no, but like I, I understand because, like, again, I grew up conservative Christian, mm-hmm. right? I grew up very conservative, so I understand the cons- Like, obviously, now I'm more like um, socially liberal. Mm-hmm. I still do have some conservative ideas when it comes to like taxation and other stuff like that. Um, just it's just a, like I, I used to be that person i used to be conservative right yeah. super conservative um and i know what it means or i know how it feels to not be understood especially in a, in, a, in a state like or not a state but like a city like seattle or tacoma where like the vast majority of people are liberal yeah or perceived to be liberal because we never talked about the bellevue fakes <laughs> <laughs> but no okay. for real that yeah all right. So before they close, let's switch over into a bigger topic: mental illness. Mental illness. Mental I love illness. It. One of my favorites. <laughs> One of your favorites. <laughs> Do you want mine? <laughs> um, yeah. Let's just kind of talk about your journey with mental illness. Whatever you're comfortable kind of sharing, if you mm-hmm. want to share diagnosis um, or not, and just yeah, anything mental illness related. Yeah, I've been uh, diagnosed as uh, clinically depressed several times. Well, I mean, obviously, once you have it, it kind of never goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had this since I was a, maybe, oh, since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Since I was a kid, I've had, uh, I've been clinically depressed. Um, more recently, um, anxiety started taking over. Um, so, so I do get very anxious. Like, uh, And that happened because of several uh, traumatic uh, events mm-hmm. that had happened like recently, like within the past two years. So my anxiety levels are pretty fucking high, uh, and then the depression doesn't help. Yeah. Um. So I am being medicated right now for both. Uh. But and then and I have therapy. But yes, those are my mental health issues. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I'm thankful that like I actually have again Mexican parents, completely different, right? Like uh, Mexicans and Latinos were were not really taught about mental health, mm-hmm. right? Uh. It's different with my parents. My parents know about mental health. And immediately, like, I remember one time when my brother was younger and my brother would say stuff like, oh, I don't want to live past 40. I want to have my kids by 20s and die by my 40s. And like, and we wouldn't we wouldn't know why he would say shit like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually we, did, we found out that he was depressed. And my brother reached out to my parents and was like, oh, I'm depressed. I don't want to live. I don't want to wake up the next day. It was like, mom, I just don't want to wake up. And that moment, my mom was like, you're going to a psychiatrist, like, now, like, tomorrow. And so my mom woke up and, like, found him a psychiatrist. And then that's when my mom was like, well, if we have this guy, and, like, with the psychiatrist, maybe we should put him, too. Yeah. Meaning me. And that's when, like, I discovered, like, yes, I was also depressed and also having all these mental issues. And and uh, 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 a huge part of it was because um, me and my brother, like, basically grew up yes we grew up with parents but we grew up without parents because they were always working always working like the house was just me and my brother mm-hmm. i raised my brother and my brother is like a um like imagine like a 10 year old like raising an eight year old like that was me and my brother 
right? We were so all that had a toll, like the crossing the border had a toll on me. Also, like the being sexually abused as a kid had a toll. Like all these other things that I never knew. Like, and thankfully, my parents um, believe in mental health and mm-hmm. believe that your brain is an organ that needs to be treated. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, very blessed that I have parents like that. But I think that's part because we're from Mexico City, and and again, it's a very progressive city. Yeah. So compared to other parents that are from Mexico that don't believe in mental health, they're just like ponte las pilas. Yeah. Yeah, I I can totally understand others when they're like, I one of my friends when I remember one time told his dad that like, um, he was sad and wasn't feeling it, and his dad like literally in the car ride was like, I don't want to, don't talk to me about this. I don't want to talk about this. Like, don't talk to me about this. Why do you talking? Why are you talking to me about this? And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> damn. Well, like, damn, dude, like that sucks, you know, and like. That's the part of being Mexican. Again, you're a guy. You're not supposed to show emotions. Like, pasatela and like fucking chin up, you know? You're yeah. not supposed to cry. Now, my parents allowed us to cry. Um, or my mom, made, I would say, allowed us to cry. My dad back then was still a little bit more machista. Mm-hmm. He's different now. Now that, now that he has daughters, uh, he, he's completely changed his perspective and views on things. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was like that for me mental health wise now i'm getting treated more as an adult mm-hmm. uh recently i had to start antidepressants again uh i got off of antidepressants for a while um I, I where i was feeling fine and then i think it was the pandemic that hit me hard it as probably did most of us right yeah. but already living with clinical depression and then the pandemic happened and i am a person that hates being home all the time mm. when i started working from home it sucked. It was horrible. I had to quit my job. I stopped going to my job. Um, at that time, I was living with my partner, um, and she could see it. She could see how, like, I was slowly deteriorating, like, dist- like going on a self-destructive path. Um, I had several attempts. Uh, trigger warning. Maybe I should have said that first, but, like, <laughs> uh, I had several, like, uh, life attempts. Um, unsuccessful, thank- thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was bad, and then it, it, she got it got to the point where like she didn't know what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And money stopped coming in from my side, and she was very sweet. She, she took care of both of us for a, for a long time, maybe like eight months. But like at a at a certain point, she couldn't do it anymore. Like, yeah. And I understand her. Like, it's totally it's okay. Like, yeah, I put her through hell too. You know, hurt people hurt people. <laughs> that's that's what we always say. Like, hurt people hurt people. That's why. If you're ever going to like date someone, love someone, like uh, work on yourself, learn to love yourself. And because and, if you're hurt, you're going to just hurt the other person as much as you love them. Right. And that's what I did. Like I hurt uh, my partner at the time. Um, it was bad. It was bad to the point where she was like, I don't know what the fuck to do anymore. She talked to my friend, my best friend. Uh, his name is Raymond. I keep saying <laughs> my, best friend, my black friend, but his name is Raymond. Uh, super adorable guy. Uh, I love him with all my heart. He's like, one of my closest friends like he's my brother basically yeah um he's in the military he's in the navy and he's stationed in virginia she contacts him and she's mm-hmm. like hey this is what's going on this is what alexis is going through and raymond already knows me from years and raymond mm-hmm. is like okay yeah yeah he, he needs help um but i still didn't accept the fact that i needed help mm-hmm. um so she sends me with him uh for my birthday this was in 2020 mm-hmm. yeah from 2020 she sends me over for my birthday um and so i'm there 
with him and he just has a deep conversation with me like about everything what's going on and I'm open with him because again like my brother so I'm fully open with him we cried we partied we like did everything and for a whole weekend um and then I left I came back and I came back uh not changed <laughs> like I can't I, I I came back like like oh yeah like I talked to someone finally but I still can like get myself to ask for help mm -hmm. so uh December comes around she can't take it anymore we kind of like break up and she kicks me out that place and so I, at that point I was like oh shit, I gotta figure this thing out you mm -hmm. know I'm like where the fuck am I gonna go because I didn't want to move back in with my parents because my parents were going through their shit. They're going through a divorce and shit mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, now they're separated. Um, I don't want to go back to that. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm already going through my shit. I don't want to go through that shit. Um, so I have nowhere to go, right? And mm -hmm. so I'm like, fuck, I'm about to like be homeless. Because I don't want to go back to my parents. Even though I could, but I don't want to go back to that toxic environment. Yeah. I'm about to be homeless. I don't have a job. I don't do this. And of all my friends, obviously, I, I wanted, uh, I could have gone to Virginia to live with my friend over there, but I was like, that's too much, that's too far. Um, what can I do here now? Out of everyone I knew, the only person that took me in was that Trump supporter. That friend that happened to like believe in Trump, uh, vote for Trump and everything, he's the one that took me in. He, he let me live in his house for months, for months without paying rent, without wow. anything. He was like, get a job get your shit together, like, I'm here for you, I'm helping you, we'll figure it out together. And I was like, all right, cool. And and this is what I'm telling, like, this is going back to the having conversations with people that don't want to have those conversations, you don't want to have those conversations. Have those conversations because you never know where those friendships can go. Like, right now, his name is uh, Karian, um, we call him KJ. Uh, KJ, he was like, one of the sweetest persons I've ever met. Like, he took me in when I needed it the most. Mm -hmm. uh, he got me back up on my feet, like, I got a job, I started working, I got in my own apartment and I live on myself. I've been living on myself for the past two years now. And so, yeah, like that's how that's, I finally recently, like maybe like, I started going to therapy, right? And mm -hmm. that helped. And, but maybe the past, uh, before August, when, when summer started, around when summer started, I started getting depressed again, really bad to the point when like it was hard for me to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, I need to go to the doctor. And I finally went to the doctor and I had an assessment. I scored very high on my assessment, obviously, super depressed. Mm -hmm. And my doctor was like, oh, I'm going to give you antidepressants and also uh, medication for anxiety because you also have anxiety. Like, high high anxiety mm -hmm. like it's bad and it was bad I, to the point where i wouldn't want to leave my house because like i was physically scared like mm -hmm. that i was going to be attacked i i had i had this past year um some homeless people or uh, attacked me in five right oh, it was no. it was a, it was at night i was walking and they followed me they like they chased me around. I called the cops. Like the cops thankfully came mm -hmm. after 30 minutes of interrogating me over the phone of like, why was I high or anything? Like it was bad. It was really bad. So it was a very bad trauma. Yeah. And then shortly after that, maybe like a month after that, another homeless person, like out of their mind, drugged out, jumped and attacked me. Um, thankfully, I defended myself. But like those two events of like almost being attacked and like, the, like it was bad it yeah. was bad to like where it kicked my anxiety to like 
fight or flight the uh, the whole time. I would wake up with that uh, with that emotion of fight or flight yeah. the whole time until recently when I started medicating myself for it. And so, yeah, so I decided to get help. I've been on antidepressants and anxiety medication for the past four months, mm-hmm. which has been helping. It's been doing good. Like, I get that rush of energy again where I'm like, I want to go party. I want to go dance this and that. Like, I want to do my work. I, I'm happy to do everything now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Damn. that and festivals. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love, you like to go to your festivals. Yes, I love festivals. <laughs> I love EDM music. Like, again, that's what that's what gives me mental peace. Like what, what I was telling you earlier, music and um and reading, mm-hmm. music, reading, and and just finding new things to learn about. Like, yeah, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me interested about life. Damn. Yeah. I like how little things just ended up adding up. So at the very end, I'm just like, ah. This makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. damn. It's, I, yeah, life shapes people. In, yeah. In very, very much. And, like, even the things that you don't think are, like, can affect you, they really fucking do. Which, obviously, with my story, you can see that, like, no one would have ever thought that, like, I don't know, like, crossing the border would really affect me, like, that much, right, as a kid. But it fucking did, you know? And with my identity, with later on my sexuality and this and that, like all of those things, it's like a domino effect. You knock one down, then the other one starts yeah. knocking. Yeah. And then depending on which one that falls down, you're either going to go to this direction or that direction or this direction. And then it's just like. Right. Yeah. It's a whole big mess, but yeah. it's a fun one. It's, <laughs> a- <laughs> it's a fun one to be called life. It's. I, I used to write a lot of poetry when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And there's this one that I can remember briefly the end of it is like basically find what it is that you can to make this hell of a life worth living yeah basically basically yeah. Like, again going back to i don't want to sound like a recorder but like, <laughs> uh, going back to what my life philosophy now is is like you're a human person foremost you know and after that everything doesn't matter as long as you're a human that wants to live a happy life yeah so that's where i'm at I love that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So any last minute things you want to mention before I go off and tell my little fun facts? (laughs) Mm, No, I think I'm good. Okay. This was a fun conversation. (laughs) Yes, it was. Let's see here. Well, you said a lot of fun stuff. I don't feel like much of this is going to – I'm just going to say the few little things – that are kind of fun. <laughs> but this is um, all about Ciudad de Mexico. And according to history.com, during the Aztec period, Mexico City was initially built over a lake. Mm-hmm. Lago de Texcoco. Texcoco, yeah. Texcoco. I totally, I totally said that right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so I wasn't fully aware of how much of Mexico was like lost to the U.S. Half. I'll, pretty much. <clears throat> so... Mexico City was invaded by the U.S. during the Mexican-American War, and when it ended in 1848, Mexico was forced to let go of some territories under the treaty the, under the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, and those treaties are New Mexico, Nevada, Colorado, Arizona, California, and portions of Utah and Wyoming. And then around this time is also when Mexico was forced to recognize the independence of Texas. Yes. Show. Yes. Most most true. most of uh, half of the U.S. is Mexico. Yes, so there's Mexican brothers and sisters down there that like have been there forever. 
the border never crossed or they never crossed the border the border crossed them yeah the previous oh the person i whose episode i just released candace she told me her parent her dad's family was in mexico and in, in california before california became california yeah and i was like holy yeah it's crazy. mind blown it's crazy all right well that's towards the end of it do you have any shout outs anything you'd like to any any shout outs no no shout outs just you know live a happy life go to festivals if you're ever at a festival find me i'm <laughs> there uh i'm at kim Perret on my socials twitter instagram everywhere even tiktok <laughs> but yeah i'm just like I'm a fun person. Just I agree. I think you're a fun person. Thank you. <laughs> All righty. Well, what is your friend's name? Raymond? Raymond. Well, shout out to Raymond. Raymond Singleton. <laughs> <laughs> um, All righty. Well, thank you everyone so much for listening. Um, And hasta la próxima.